0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to State Sponsored Programming. I'm Sophie Dasko.
1: I'm Will Blystaff. I'm Max schell
0: And today we are conducting a very special interview with the superintendent of Bay Village City Schools, Ms. Jody Hausman. Ms. Hausman, thank you very much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks
2: for having me. Of course.
0: We're, very, we're looking forward to it. So we have a couple of questions for you, just generally about education, but also about education specifically within Bayville City Schools and our own personal experiences within the school district. So, if we want to get going, you can take the first question, Mr. Shaw. All right. So,
1: this is a real basic question. Why did you decide to become the superintendent?
2: So, um, I was a teacher for seven years, and I don't think at one point when I was teaching, I ever thought I'd be a superintendent. Uh, Sometimes... Certain pathways take you there, and you never plan on that. So when I was a teacher, I had many, many principals, and I decided I would be a principal because I just kept getting new principals when I was a teacher, and I really enjoyed that experience. Um, Then one of my superintendents said, hey, we'd really like your help in curriculum and instruction, and so I was asked to do that, and I did that as my next step in my career. And I loved being able to be a deep learner in something, which is, you know, what's really fun about learning when you can really just dive in deep and know it so well. And then I was asked, would you like to be a superintendent? So it was just one of those things that you arrive there, but you're grateful because I've always been in a family and a way of life in education. It's it's a way of service to others, so it's an honor whether you're a teacher, or a principal, or any role in education, it's a, it's a way of service to others, so that's how I see it. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's how I arrived at being a superintendent. Nice, what subject did you teach? I taught elementary school, so I taught multiple subjects. So. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel about
0: the increasing pressure to incorporate technology into the classroom? I know that we, the three of us, have been a little bit frustrated with the increased need to work on computers, increased need to have the Chromebooks. Mm-hmm. And without directly saying so, some of our teachers may or may not feel the same way. So
2: the increasing pressure of technology in the classroom, what's your opinion on that? Meaning, can I clarify, meaning that you like using the Chromebooks for as a learner, or it feels um, like too many boundaries are put with Chromebooks?
0: I wouldn't necessarily say boundaries. It's just not necessarily something that I... Wanted with all due respect. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily something that I feel is as educational as it could be yeah. I think it provides a greater distraction than a benefit, but
2: I think uh, when I Actually did my robotics podcast yesterday and I talked to one of the students and I, and I asked a very similar question And I said so what do you think about technology? Just leaving it very open-ended and technology is is really Is is a huge word it can mean so many things And the student said, it opens up access to learning. But I think when you think about technology, the way we have to think of it more globally. And sometimes in schools, we think of it as devices and hardware. But with the new gig economy, your generation, when you graduate from college, it's predicted that you're gonna be working for multiple people multiple places. You might be an entrepreneur. You're going to work for certain periods of time. You might take some time off and do other things. And so I think that technology has to focus more on skills, the soft skills, and entrepreneurship and uh, design theory and design thinking. This is organic for you. So using um, your phone and using a computer and all the different devices, That's just an extension of how you go about and communicate and do business. So finding a balance of what technology really means in education, and it's really knocking at our door, and then even opening up to artificial intelligence and robotics, and where that's going to take us in the next 10 to 15 years is pretty amazing stuff. I'm going to be taking a class on that this year myself as a superintendent. I'm excited about that. So it's a big question. And I think when it's a really big question and a big idea, a lot of us are trying to figure out where we fit—whether we're a learner or we're a teacher. So, to
0: extend on that, those—that's all very valid, and I think that's
1: mm-hmm.
0: with all due respect, it it's a bit idealized. I think that one of the more poignant problems that I personally have seen is the increased access to technology increases the access to cheating. And so, here's a quote from an article from the National Review. It says, some actions are bad enough as it is. Cheating is one of those things. Imagine how much easier it can be to cheat with the increasing
2: use of technology. So can you touch on that a little bit? Sure. I I think with anything comes responsibility. And so part of technology is teaching ethics and teaching responsibility. And so that is not something we always think about, but something we should be doing.
1: Awesome. So you talked a little bit about Serving others through education. Now, Mm -hmm. I personally think a great way to serve others in education, especially those in disadvantaged communities, uh, is the concept of school choice. So that being said, do you believe students and families should be able to use taxpayer dollars on any school of their choice? Why Why or why not should students be restricted to a zip code to receive the education they pay for with their taxpayer dollars?
2: I think it's been a great debate, especially in the state of Ohio. We're one of, I think it's maybe 10 states who fund our schools the way we do. It's a very unique funding system. And so through the DeRolf case, if you've read about that, it's been found unconstitutional in the state of Ohio several times. Um, But unfortunately, there hasn't been a new system to fund our schools. And so until things change and it moves away from property taxes and it moves away from the funding model we have. There are inequities when you see funding between community schools and charter schools and public schools, because they are there's no apples to apples comparison between schools. So when you ask people about school choice, how can they make a school choice when you don't have true comparisons between the models?
1: Uh, I think a great avenue for school choice that I've heard from a lot of different people mm-hmm. is the concept of a school voucher, in which instead of connecting you essentially have funding be connected to a school. And then so like with Bay Village, for example, the funding is connected to mm-hmm. Bay High School. And then you go to Bay High School if you want the public option, which I find to be phenomenal. I love going to Bay High School. But we're we're one of the lucky ones. So mm-hmm. I feel like it would be really cool. Let's say, for example, we spend what, 8,000, 10,000, 12,000 per student. That would be connected to the students so they could go wherever they want. And it's not it's not a perfect solution, but I think it's a lot better where you can actually make the choice to go wherever you want. It's not just... I've heard some decent arguments about charter schools, where it's essentially just two schools in an area and there's not much choice there. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a voucher would be a great way to extend choice to the maximum amount.
2: I think you'd have to define what the outcomes and evidence would be connected to the voucher.
1: So it's been implemented in places like Chile. Um, I believe there's, I, I believe there there's been some other places as well in, mm-hmm. in the Nordic countries, and it's been a pretty in my opinion, a successful model. And that's obviously a topic up for debate.
2: I agree. What is your opinion on censorship in in public schools? So I worked in the library for many years. And so every year they publish like the most censored books in, I don't know if it's in the world or America. It's been a long time since I worked in the library. And very common books would be on the censor list. So I think you have to be very careful about censorship, and especially the the way we have such an open society because knowledge is accessible for so many people now through so many different avenues. Um, as a public school, though, we have board policies, and we have advisory councils, and we have opportunities that if there are books or there are concerns about content due to the developmental stages of how children would integrate and learn ideas. Um, that people can voice their concerns and opinions about books. And I think that's appropriate, too, that all voices can be heard and go through a system of reviewing books if that needs to be. But that's not necessarily censorship. It just depends on the review process. And to be honest, I haven't uh, had an opportunity or reason to look at that since I've been here in Bay. But most school districts have a common procedure with that.
0: Yeah, and I know that we just actually did a podcast about touching a little bit on this, about one of the books we wrote for AP English. Mm -hmm. And our general consensus was we hate, we all, Max and I hated the book, but don't necessarily think it should be censored because you can learn something from it. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily material censorship, but opinion censorship. What do you think about people discussing their political opinions in school?
2: I think as long, um, I think political opinions have a certain place always. I think it's good in our democracy that we have those conversations and share our political opinions. But like anyone, I think it has to be done with a level of civility and respect and care for all stakeholders and all opinions. I've never met any people that are more intelligent and better at sharing their political
0: opinions than the people at Bay High School. Our peers and our teachers both. That's very, awesome. very intelligent. It's really cool to see. So I bet.
1: Okay, so in the past 30 years, federal spending per pupil has increased by 117%, while NAEP, which means National Assessment of Educational Progress Scores, for 17-year-olds have remained virtually stagnant. Now that the age of 17 is around the age in which students complete their K-12 through education. That being said, would you contend that our education system cannot be fixed with more federal programs and spending?
2: I think our educational system is unique and folks don't always see what's unique about the united states we have 50 states we have 50 educational systems and so when you think about that there's federal programs and federal monies but then as it goes through to the state level and and how the state um, prioritizes those funds and their formulas that's all different Uh, when you see a country like canada for example They'll have a national education system where they can do reforms, where our reforms are typically, there are federal reforms, but it does go through a state system and how that occurs. So um, I do think that under-resourced children, under-resourced families will require different supports depending on how children are ready learning, uh, ready to learn, uh, ready learning in one community might look different to another community. Uh, So children who live in poverty have a suppressed vocabulary and they have uh, suppressed experiences and maybe background knowledge isn't always available to them because they're not going on family vacations or things like that or going to the zoo or, you know, things that you would expect every child would have those experiences. So... I'm not sure that it's always about money. There's a lot of pieces that go into uh, how we want to see our children achieve and grow. And um, I do think that funding is very important, and that's the one thing Bay Village has always been so supportive of their schools and believe in our programming, uh, believe in our teachers and our staff. That's one thing I've learned on the Listening and Learning Tour is how supportive our families are of what we do here in Bay. And so it's, it's a complex question that probably you could do a podcast on. You could do a series just on that question mm-hmm. alone. So those are just a few of my thoughts.
1: Well, just to touch on a little bit what you said. So you were talking a little bit, and I completely agree, about how there's people in disadvantaged communities who aren't read to, uh, and there's not a lot of community involvement. And I completely agree that private and public, some of the best schools are those with high community involvement Uh, with Mm -hmm. St. Ed's and Ignatius. They have their own sort of community and high community involvement Mm -hmm. in a similar way as to Bay has its own community involvement. And also to touch a little bit about the disadvantaged communities. That's why um, I'm a big supporter of school choice because in Bay, we are very lucky to have really awesome administrative systems and you can put more funding and it works because we have the proper channels what happens when we're essential when the federal government from on high, which doesn't know the people in each individual state or city, ramps up funding and then doesn't know how to properly channel it? And that's and that's why I think I actually like within the United States that it is a state system and that within our edu- within our constitution education isn't one of the powers of the federal government that get goes to the states.
2: And every local district gets a different amount of federal funding based on the needs of that district. So in Bay Village, we don't receive a high amount of federal sure. funding. Yeah. To talk a little bit about the programs that we have here at Bay High School and some
0: of the things that we've seen on a more personal level. Mm-hmm. Regarding the past half day for the boys soccer team, how do you retort to those who say the administration favors athletics over
2: the arts? It was for the girls soccer team. So, um, they went to state, and, and then the boys went to cross-country state the next day. So, I would not think that we favor it over the arts at all, um, at least from my perspective coming in. So, on my opening day, the band was featured as part of my opening day and surprised the entire staff, uh, and that was super fun. Um, met with the show choir students. Mm-hmm. It was the first class where i got to spend an entire uh, classroom period with the show choir and really learn about them and talk to them um i think that music and fine arts is extremely important because my own children have had those experiences we weren't necessarily we had some athletics in our family but music was uh, definitely a bigger part of our lives so I think when you have something so unique and so special uh, that girls soccer goes to state and might only happen once every 15 years, we want to honor that and and make that available. But I would imagine if there's something that touched across the entire school community in any of the programs, uh, we would want to do the same depending on on what it is and, and what it looks like. Very good.
1: Um, here's a real quick question. What are you looking forward to the most as the new superintendent?
2: When this is the first time in my career, I have not been attached to a school building. So when I was a teacher, I was obviously in a school building, a principal, a director. I was attached to a high school and my previous job as superintendent, I was attached to a high school, my office. Here I am not. And so I really look forward to, one of the things I really look forward to is when I attend commencement ceremony that I will be here long enough to know the students as they're graduating. Um, I really enjoy getting to know students, getting to make those connections with you. I'm trying to figure out how to be in this office away from all of you. So I walk hallways a lot. You might see me in the hallways, um, see me walking around. And part of that is just to kind of Be close to the kids, and it also reminds me of why I come to work every day, that it's all about you. And so I think that's what I most look forward to in is getting to know all of you well enough that I know Max in the hallway, and Sophie in the hallway, and Will in the hallway, and many more of you.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you very much for sharing your opinion with us. We truly do go to a wonderful school. You do. And I think that the three of us will all count ourselves blessed that we get to not only be around our peers every day who are a very intelligent group of people but also mm-hmm. the staff which is truly astounding and phenomenal
2: yeah
0: so thank you very much for for having this wonderful Hi. School, Hi. school district for us yeah this has been an episode of state-sponsored programming today we have covered a range of educational topics interviewing our superintendent miss jody hausman thank you very much for tuning in to our latest episode of state-sponsored programming i'm sophie dasko i'm will Blysaff, i'm maximilian Schell. signing off <laughs>
1: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of State Sponsored Programming. We're on most podcasting platforms, so wherever you are, make sure to like, follow, and give us five stars if you enjoyed listening. You can also follow us on Twitter at ss underscore programming for all updates and giveaways. This is State Sponsored Programming, signing off.